It's wonderful to be with you guys on this Christmas Eve. How many of you are not from the state? Like, literally, you're not living in Michigan right now, but you're here this evening. Okay, so probably about 15 or 20 of you. Um, a few more maybe than the last one. I'd like to welcome you to Michigan. It's a wonderful place. Um, some people earlier were talking about, I just wish there was lots of snow on the ground. I wish there was lots of snow on the ground. Um, do not speak such words. <laughs> it is coming, I assure you. Um, ah, it's just good. It's good to have you. And I'm sure that majority of you who are from another state right now living somewhere else, maybe, possibly, I would think that you drove a car, hopefully larger than this one. Um, and that you jumped in a vehicle SUV, something like that, and you rode up here. But who knows, maybe some of you uh, took a train, uh, maybe some of you have uh, done even uh, jumped on an airplane and, and you came over uh, from wherever that might be. And we all make these journeys, don't we? We all make different journeys. I know for me, I've done the Greyhound bus thing when uh, I was too young uh, to drive. My parents were like, you're, you're not going to do this. And so I jumped on a Greyhound bus, went to see uh, my brother and a good friend, and um, I've done the planes and the trains and the automobiles and everything else. I've done the bicycles for 60 miles to go see a baseball game. I've done the walking when I was in college. Car broke down. I didn't have the money to, for a couple weeks to fix the car. And so three and a half miles each way uphill in the snow in Georgia. Um, it snows in Georgia. Actually, it doesn't snow very much. It just ices in Georgia. But, um, you know, just walking back and forth to class because that's what you have to do. Mode of transportation. And you got to get there somehow. And I, I love, and this is what I want to challenge us with us on this Christmas Eve. I want us to think about the journey, the, the transportation even really, the, the mode of transportation, the journey that we've had to Jesus, because we've all been on a different journey. Some of you, uh, you grew up in a Christian home, and it was just a really healthy environment, and so as a result of that, um, you have this amazing faith that was introduced to you, and you took hold of it with your own heart, and you said, this is my faith now, it's not my parents' faith, I believe in Jesus Christ, He is Messiah, the Savior of the world. Some of you grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home, though, and you said, you know what, um, that's not for me, I don't want anything to do with it, and you just turned away from God. And maybe you're just now coming back. For some of you, maybe you were never introduced to God until you're an adult. Maybe you're a 45, 55, 60-year-old person, and, and you're coming and you're going, you know what, I've just discovered a power and a truth and a love in God that I've never known before, and my life is now His. Others, maybe, you're here out of obligation. You took a plane to get here, and they said, we're leaving, and so you got in the car, and they tricked you. That would be called really bad family. But you never know. Maybe some of you are like that with your own faith, though, and you know who Jesus says he is. But yet you've never really just said, that's mine. That, that's mine. And we're all in different places on this journey. And I want to think tonight, for just very quickly, I want us to think about some of the primary uh, people who are in the middle of this story of Jesus' birth. And I want us to think about some of the journeys that they've taken, maybe where they are in the journey, even at that specific time, but also the result of what they then uh, encountered and how they responded. 
So I'm just going to rattle off a lot of the different primary players here in the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And perhaps maybe you resonate with just one or two of them. Let's start, um, let's start with Mary. That's a good one to start with, right? Here's Mary, this young teenage girl who all of a sudden she hears from the Lord and says, says hey, you're going to have a baby. I mean, that's what ends up taking place. And we would like to say, hey, here's Mary, and we know all this amazing stuff about her, um, and that she's pure and righteous and holy and blameless and all this stuff. Kind of like a Heroes, uh, Heroes of Faith chapter, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And it talks about Abram and all these, Moses and all these amazing people, Elijah, and wow, look at them. Well, it doesn't do that, though. We're introduced to her very, very quickly. And then all of a sudden, we know that... Uh, the, the Lord has spoken to her and said, listen, this, this is what I want. But this is, is, this is what Mary says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. All right, because an angel has already come to Mary and said, hey, this is what you're going to be with child. You're going to give birth. And so here's, here's Mary. Mary says this, um, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. Five, this is what we know about Mary. Five different times she identifies herself as a bond slave to the Lord. So here's her response. The angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, I, I want you to have a child. Not the normal way. Trust me. Everybody's going to be like, what is going on? But I need you to do this. Her response is, I am a servant of the Lord. What you say to me, whatever it is, may it come to pass. May it be fulfilled. Mary trusted God, surrendered to God, and part of her journey was this amazing faith. If she took spiritual gift inventory, I am certain that, that faith would rank really high on that list for her. Because we don't see her with the, the checklist of, well now, okay, tell me all the details. I need to know everything that's going to be taking place. We've got to have this, we've got to have this, we've got to have this. We've got to check all the boxes off. Now what else is that going to, she doesn't, we don't have any of that. All we have is, you know what, I'm a bond slave. I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever you say goes, I'm in. So her journey in this whole thing, and it continued on in terms of a physical journey as well, right? Um, we know that Mary and Joseph later on, um, they end up having to go all over the place because of the census and different things like that. And here she is on a donkey and pregnant and all this stuff. And now all of a sudden she's in a, in a manger and she's giving birth to a child. What a trip, right? What a journey to go on. But the... This, this culmination of events for Mary really ended with just obedience. So one of the greatest lessons we learn from her is that Mary was obedient. I know that we raise children today. We want children today. We just question authority, question everything. You know, there's a beauty to trusting in God. And Mary demonstrated it as this amazing woman of faith and said, you know what, if the Lord says it, I'm in. I don't have to have all the details. I don't have to have all the answers. And it starts with the small things. Some of you are so worried right now that I'm going to go overtime because you're thinking, I've got something, I've got a casserole in the oven. And you want everything mapped out, and this is the way life has to be. And God is saying, you don't have to have everything mapped out because my map will blow your map away. I got this. 
what a journey she had. And it all culminated with this amazing obedience. I think about Joseph as well. Joseph, um, when he found out all this was taking place, you know that he's like, hold up. I don't know about all this. And so he was going to secretly divorce Mary and be like, okay, I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to just degrade her and all this stuff, but I need to to step away. The Lord came to him, though, and said, no, I, I don't want you to do that. So all of a sudden, his journey to this whole process was significant, traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem and different places. Here's the thing I love about Joseph is that Joseph, what really mattered to him most, I don't think it was about the events or the circumstances that would have really dictated Joseph's life. I think for him, he simply wanted to respond to the presence of God speaking into his life. Joseph is a model of somebody who probably wanted some more of these answers about what does this mean And yet he embraced, this is the culmination of Joseph's life, is he embraced the godly. He just embraced the godly. He says, man, okay, it's not logical, not practical, but I'm just going to embrace the godly, and it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, and all my friends are going to mock me and make fun of me because I'm marrying this person who I'm not even married to yet, but now she's with a child. That's a disgrace. Legally, I could stone her to death, yet I'm not going to do any of that. I'm staying with her. I'm in. goes even further, though. I think, I think about Herod. Herod's a pretty big uh, figure in this whole story, okay? Herod is a guy who, um, obviously the ruler of that area at the time, and he uh, was claiming the throne of Israel, but he knew, he knew that the throne wasn't actually his. It was artificial, the one he was claiming. And so he wanted to guard his crown in any way necessary. Herod's struggle was that his life was all about who he wanted to be, rather than who God designed him to be. Now, it's his struggle with birth to death. Here's a guy that we know um, because of this, this desire to claim for self. Um, he had immense hatred and envy in his life. He had fear and jealousy. Uh, he was all about murder and destruction. And that was really the culmination of his life was the one that led to the death of thousands and thousands of people, even his own family members. Because he had been told about this Savior coming, this baby coming, and so what does he do? He orders for all the boys to and under in that area to be murdered. Right? When, guys, when you're living a life that's all about self, what comes out of that is fear. And pride and insecurity. And so then you have to start acting on those insecurities. And have to start acting on that pride. And his action was to kill all those two-year-olds. But we know it didn't work. They had retreated to Egypt. And then they were going to be coming back. God protected his child. But here's somebody, Herod, who knew about this child being born. But he would not receive it. And maybe some of you are here tonight. And you don't normally come to church. And you know of Jesus. But you really... You are keeping that child at arm's length. 
Please don't get too close. Please don't get too close. Please don't get too close. But it's more than Joseph. It's more than Herod. It's more than Mary. It's even the shepherds. I think about the shepherds. Pretty big role in this little story called Jesus' birth. The shepherds at the time, we know that they were bottom of the totem pole when it came to societal standards. Everybody looked at them with disgrace and filth, and they're good for nothing else. It's one of the beautiful things about God coming and speaking to them through the angel. And letting them know about what was taking place. And the shepherds very quickly started to recognize the importance of this event. And I also love that here all of a sudden the angel comes to them and says, hey, this is what I want you to do. And they just get up, just like Mary, out of obedience, out of amazing faith. And they just start going. They wanted to see what this was really about. But it, it shows us, it tells us in Luke chapter 2. It says, in the same region, this is verse 8 and following, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel appears to them, glory of the Lord, shone around them. They were filled with great fear, but the angel says, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so we know that later on when the angels actually departed from them, they're like, well, let's go. It tells us in verse 15, let's go over to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste, with urgency, they went and they found Mary, they found Joseph, and they found the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they knew it was truth, everything that they had been told concerning this child. And so they, they just take off and they go and they let others know about this child because it says the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God. For all that they had seen, all that they had heard. Their journey was one of, hey, I'm just doing my job. But all of a sudden, God has jumped into my, my life. God has jumped into the picture. And I've, I've been mature enough. I, I want to at least see what it's really about. And I've found something that's amazing and I'm embracing it. Wise men or somebody else. Man, what a journey the wise men have. We know that they were from Persia. They would have traveled roughly 1,000 miles. The average camel traveler would have traveled about 20 miles in a day. And that's as the crow flies. And so you can imagine how long it would have taken them, how dangerous that would have been. Not only were they making that traveling and going such distance, they had things like gold and frankincense and myrrh that they were taking with them. You know other people were out to get. You think about all the circumstances that are taking place and the journey that they had. And they knew, though, what God had done in the past. They were educated, and God showed them the star. They followed the star, trusting in what God was doing, knowing the prophecies, knowing all that was there, leaving their lifestyle, leaving their homes, leaving their families, and they make the journey. And it tells us that it culminated in them finding and worshiping Jesus. I think about the angels. They had a pretty big role also. The angels, we see them in a significance, especially with the shepherds. But even after this, it tells us in Luke chapter 2, it says, hey, 
Guys, this is going to be a sign for you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly, and this is what happened, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. You see, the angels, obviously celestial beings, they knew who God truly was, who this baby truly was. And so their response was big because they knew that Jesus was worthy of what? Big. The thing that's gotten me about this uh, my entire life with Luke chapter 2, the thing that I've always kind of said, why aren't we more like that? Is because in any aspect of our life, don't we, we want to emulate the person who we think is best. If you're a basketball player, maybe you want to emulate a Steph Curry or a LeBron James, something like that. Maybe if you're a piano player, you want to emulate someone like a Nathan Potter because he's crazy gifted and crazy talented. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be in any subject, in any area of life. You look at others and you go, hey, there's a, I want to be a great father. I want to learn from that guy. And so you start being mentored by someone, and you're saying, I want to learn from them. I, I, I'm curious as to why we don't learn more from the, from the angels. People who really got who Jesus was, and their response was all of a sudden, everybody's showing up on the scene. And they're declaring and calling out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Declaring his beauty, declaring his righteousness. Why aren't we willing to learn from them? Let that be part of our journey, part of our discovery. But some of us, some of us may be more, if we're honest, maybe we're more like the shepherds that um, we don't really read about. They're the ones who hung back and said, hey, you guys go check it out. We don't have this in Scripture, but I, there are many people who have said, hey, I know who Jesus is. I can see the manger way, way in the distance. That's cool. I'm going to do my thing. And so you've never really said, you know what, I want to get up close to Jesus. I really want to get to know him and his power and his love. And some of us need to, we need to examine the journey that we've been on in life when it comes to getting to know Jesus and what he's asking of us as a result of our knowledge. Maybe that's the question for us, is that where is your spiritual journey leading you? Our band and the choir and everybody, they're going to come back out, and we're going to be at a close with just celebrating who God is. But maybe as they come, that's the question you need to be asking yourself. Where is this journey of knowing this baby named Jesus leading you? Is it taking you to the same place over and over? Or is it taking you somewhere greater? And now instead of the same response, your response is growing because your knowledge of God is growing. And so now your response is like those of the angels where they're jumping up and going, glory to God in the highest. And not just one or two, it says a multitude. You think about the greatest worship we've ever had here at Chapel Point, And it pales in comparison to what we will be doing for eternity. 
And it's all a matter of your acknowledgement and your awareness and your understanding of the greatness of who Jesus is. He is more than a baby. And there are too many people who are taped, they've made the journey and they've seen this child and said, yeah, that's going to be good for me because now I have life eternal and yet nothing is coming of it. And I'm, t- I'm biblically, I'm going to argue that, listen, if you're not celebrating the birth of Jesus, maybe you don't know Jesus. Because he came for your sin. Here's what God did because Jesus is God in flesh. You're a sinner. You've all made mistakes. You've all messed up. And so God said, I'm going to jump into the middle of this. Here is my son. And he is paying the debt for all of your sin, for all of your filth, for all of your pain, for all of your hurt. And he's taken every single bit of it. So for eternity, you might live with him. That's an amazing God. I'm still, as many times as you've heard me communicate it, I am still dumbfounded that God would send his son in human flesh in the form of a baby to say, I love you. Wow. Now I know why the angels are like multitudes. Glory to God in the highest. Man, there's none of them sitting around with their hands in their lap going, "I, I, I can't do anything. You see why the message of Jesus, the baby of Jesus, is so great? Tomorrow morning, you're not waking up to some artificial holiday. You're waking up on a symbolic day for us that is declaring humanity has a new course and the destination is God Almighty. That's what it is. The pain, the struggle, the hurt, the discouragement, it will go away. And there will be heavenly hosts declaring and praising God the Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. May we be a part of it. May our journey end there. Let us stand and worship the King of Kings. Will you please say, glory to God in the highest. Praise be to him. He is a wonderful God. He loves you. He cares for you. Maybe that's what you do this evening with family, with friends. Maybe you do it tomorrow whenever you see those individuals. As you go and you say, hey, can I tell you about my journey of knowing Jesus Christ? And just as important, can I tell you about where I think that journey is taking me the next year? Because God's calling you to more. He wants you to be continually transformed, sanctified, renewed, and revived. And the power of Holy Spirit that's dripping into your life. Know that God and how much he cares for you. May you know his strength. May you know his power. May you know that he's more than a baby. That he is the lamb given for you because he loves you joy to the world amen merry christmas may you go in his peace have a wonderful evening take care guys